Welcome to 77 Minutes in Heaven, a Dallas Mavericks podcast that's part of the Athletic Podcast Network. This is Tim Cato, your host. Uh, today we've got Dave Dufour, our co-host, and we also got Mike Pellucci, who is an assistant editor at The Athletic Dallas, um, one of my editors, it, which is uh, the, the important part here. I, I strong on my way onto the show. Yeah, I, I mean, was about to say. It was kind of inevitable. You know, it seems, seems like a little bit of sucking up here, Tim. I, 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 do, I do see this man's raw copy and I keep all kinds of secrets. It's only fair. Yeah, mm. I'm now dubious of this entire exercise. You should be, mm. Dave. You invited him on, so that's true. It's true. <laughs> it was my idea. It was. It was. Uh. It was more like, hey, Mike. Um, we don't have anything to talk about. Come talk about the Mavericks with us. <laughs> and let's let's figure this thing out. And uh, I think we came up with a good idea. We're we're deep. We're deep in uh, August content, even though it's um it's uh, May. And I did have to think about what month it was because it's those those type of things are becoming much harder for me these days. Um, but it is May. It's virtually August in terms of content and, and the content we have, I, I think, is, a, is like you said, a, a pretty fun exercise, essentially drafting a Mavericks team. Me and Mike are going to do this. Uh, Dave, you're you're grading, of course, as, as Dave is judging us. Yeah, oh, I judging, am judging you. analyzing even. And, you know, I actually I like this idea because I was a casual NBA fan for most of the 2000s. Uh, I was just busy with other stuff. I still, Unacceptable. But you know, we'll I, allow mean, it. I was a casual NBA fan, honestly, until I started an NBA podcast, basically. And, and so for me, I am certain you guys are going to bring up guys that I don't remember. And I'm excited for that. I, I can't wait for explanations. Well, uh, so we one of the rules, and we'll get to that in a second. One of the rules is we're doing eight man playoff style rotations. So I feel like you might get most of these, just because like the Mavericks have had a lot of good players for the last twenty years. Yeah, yeah. Dave, actually, the only one I remember is Jason Terry. Well, then you'll learn things. He's the only one go. to remember. You know why bother yeah. anyone else? Uh, yeah, list out, list out the rules. rules. Out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. All right. So the, the, here are the rules. Um, a player can only get picked once. But if a player had multiple tenures or a long era, you can specify. So you can say, who, who's someone that, that left and came back? JJ Devin Harris. Harris. Well, there, there you go. go. You can say Devin Harris. You can say first run, second run. You can, you can specify a little bit. Anyone who was on the Dallas Mavericks roster since 2000 can be picked. Our guest, Mike, you get the first pick because, you know, we want to give you a little bit of an advantage since Tim is at home. You guys are going to uh, choose eight players apiece, like a playoff rotation. And then we are going to imagine a seven game series. And then I get to decide who won and who did the best job, which I, you know, I'm pretty sure is going to be Mike. Oh, well, thank you. I mean, he does get just going to throw that out there ahead of time. Well, one thing I realized yeah, getting the first pick is huge, right? Uh, so the the one thing know. I realized. So. So I think, you know, the, the top two picks are obvious. I, I think yeah. we can both say that. But the order they go in, I think there's some debate. We're not picking the best players. We're picking the players we want to build teams around. And I think you can make a case for Dirk and Luca, you know, as, as the cornerstone of, of a team that you're, you're building around. Um, so I'm very curious to see which way you went on that, Mike. And, and the one advantage, the, the further advantage you have, I, I realized, is that you know who I will take second based off, you know, your decision at one. So you also have the third pick, you know, and you will have anybody at your disposal. Like you, you, you know, the first and third picks in your head right now. So I think I that do, is, but I also feel, well, I guess we'll get into it. I guess it, it does depend on which one of the two that I take. 
Um, I do well, think yeah, he's for a sure. who's probably the third best player clear cut. I, I agree. Yeah, I'm not I don't think that there is a default number three. In fact, uh, I had to think quite a bit about who I would take in both scenarios because I had to prep for both. But you know who that is. And that that is that is a bit of an advantage as well. But that's all right, because this is Should my podcast. I've got home court advantage. Well, I've got all this stuff. Yeah, you do. You do. I'm the road team. We're in the, all right. the, the Don't Dallas take this lights. away from me. Right. Here we go. Mike Pellucci, you are on the clock. This I, I want to give credit to to Luka Doncic for I mean for all the many 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 things that we have written about him Tim mostly and for the many many things that have been said on this podcast about him it really you kind of you know something like this really forces you to give him credit for essentially year two you already have to sit there and think well do I take him over the one of the fifteen or so best players that's ever played, and the guy who's the heart and soul of Mavericks history and has made fourteen All Star teams and all the things that Dirk Nowitzki's done. I mean, the fact that in year two, this guy has made made us sit here and think, oh, you could viably pick one or the other. That's truly remarkable. But I'm still going Dirk. I mean, we've seen a whole year, a whole career of it. We've seen not only the the you know various years and milestones and all that but the durability throughout there we've seen him definitively lead a team to a championship win an mvp all those things and i mean this isn't breaking new ground but uh if dirk started his career in today's nba era there's a lot of reason to think he could be even better if he was just shooting way more threes than he was so uh beyond that the other factor too is i don't think I, there, this is a good draft for ball handlers. There are obviously, I think Luca's a clear cut number two guy, but there are other primary ball handling options. I don't think there's anybody quite like Dirk to Dirk's ability. So just overall for me, I'm, gonna, I'm still going with Dirk at one. That's interesting. I would have taken Luca first because I, the, the team I want to build most is Luca. So with the second one, obviously, I've, I've, I've got Luca. I, I think Dirk was, for me, the no brainer. Luca is great, but. Um... You know, we're talking year two. I do like this, though, because Tim envisioned his team building around Luca, And I, since I knew I had the first pick, was envisioning building around Dirk. So we will have two pretty coherent visions here, I think, going through the draft versus one person kind of on the back foot because we were we both wanted the same guy. Yeah, it's going to be interesting for me to see who steals someone else's pick first. Yeah, yeah. I'm- so, Mike, your your second selection. So as I was saying to Tim, I think there's a clear-cut third best guy here, and I oh you do yeah, think there is? I do think there's a clear-cut third best guy. Oh, interesting. Yeah, since 2000, yeah, I, I I definitely think there's a third best guy. And the irony of this is that Tim very much knows my position on Steve Nash, which is my position on Steve Nash is that while he was a fantastic player, some of the some of the the plaudits and the way that Steve Nash is regarded, I think, go a little too far. But again, we are talking about a guy who was even in his Dallas tenure was the only non-Dirk player, I believe in history, to make an All-NBA team. He made second team, second or third team All-NBA, I believe twice. He was a multi-time All-Star here. He was a consistent 40% plus shooter from three-point range. He ran that pick-and-roll two-man game with Dirk. And again, another guy who we sit here and say, well, what would he look like in the modern NBA? Uh, so I'm going to take Nash and I'm, we're going we're gonna to find that out. Now, the, the challenge for me going forward is I've got to shore up the defense because you're talking about Two guys who, uh, let's charitably say, are not the best at that. But uh, in a modern NBA offense, Nash and Dirk, when they were already spectacular players in their era playing now, I think that's going to be incredibly difficult to match up against. Okay. 
I thought I thought that your Nash soliloquy was leading up to this is why I'm not taking him. So not uh, taking Nash. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Money don't get mad, Tim. <laughs> it's all right. That I, that that wasn't that's what Jerry Jones tells me. You don't let your money get mad. And uh, when I see yeah. the guys, the third best guy and the best fit for Dirk, I gotta go with him. You're also you're also such a uh, Finley fan that I was fairly certain that you were gonna take him third. Um, that that's that's how I envisioned the draft going in my head. Uh, but that's all right because I'm taking neither of the two players mentioned so far. Um, and, and I kind of hate to do this, that you know I am now so far assembling the current Mavericks team, but I will take those steps. <laughs> Um, he is just such an easy, important building block for any team. Uh, the fact that he shoots threes and defends the rim, like if that's all he did, I might consider him here. Um, and then obviously he has a lot more to his game beyond that. Yeah, no, that's yeah, a this really is going to be like, what is it going to be like? Oh, five versus 2020. Uh, more like like oh, one, oh, two, essentially. Oh, one. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's interesting. So what's your though? third pick? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I it is interesting. I really thought about KP early on too because the idea of putting him and Dirk in just a five-out offense would just be crazy. I also, I mean, yeah, it's I don't fault that pick whatsoever. If you had left Dirk to me, I was going to take Chris Stubbs fourth. Okay, assuming Fair assuming enough. you didn't get him third, uh, that was my plan was to go uh, two high towers and then just um, actually I had another player in mind for six that would have been so perfect. For that two four duo, but mm-hmm. alas, you uh, you 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 took us a different route. So what? You're at pick five. I am, and I, there's a lot of ways I could go with this. Um, <laughs> a lot of them, but in the spirit of furthering this exercise of 2002 versus 2020, we're going to take Michael Finley, <laughs> and here's why. Uh, it's not just that I, wow. I I have fondness for Michael Finley, a lot of fondness for Michael Finley. Um, Growing up, you know, just I felt like never got his due as a Maverick uh, for just the way he started that era. Uh, Somebody who it's embarrassing that they haven't retired his jersey yet, even though they won't let anybody else wear his jersey. But even he works for the organization. It's very complicated. Clearly, you know, a quality secondary score. We we live in the NBA now where you need wing scoring. But here's the aspect that I think people forget because I forgot this. Did you know Michael Finley, despite being a 44 percent career uh, shooter for the field, is a career 37.5% 37.5% three-point shooter. If you go to the end of his Dallas era, when he was essentially giving the ball over to Dirk um, more and more often, his last two seasons in Dallas, he shot over 40% from three. Uh, in his best year in Dallas, I would argue, which is 99-2000, when he was an all-star, he averaged 23 a game, 40% from three, and an obscene 42.2 minutes per night. Like, Finley was a horse. So what you have here is essentially, in, again, we're thinking modern NBA, Right. Modern NBA, you tell Michael Finley, don't shoot mid-range jumpers, go to the rack or shoot threes. How much better is this guy going to be then, considering this was an already a low 20 score and a multi-time all-star? I think he's going to be even better. And there's not, this is not a great draft for wing scoring. There's just not. So I'm going to put him out there. We're going to reunite the old original Mavs Big Three, all of whom I think are going to be better in this era. And uh, we're going to go to war with that. We're, we're going to have to make these teams on NBA 2K and simulated, I think. Oh, that's like going to be the follow up. I like yeah, this. Yeah, I think that's going to be the follow up. But Dave, I think your opinion is is smarter than any simulation uh, video game could possibly uh, I, come I up with. I agree with you. Yeah. Uh, and I can be flattered into uh, <laughs> you know making the judgment that you would like. <laughs> no, uh, man. Far, I, I, I think Mike is, <laughs> listen, Mike, Mike's doing a great job. I mean, it, it's um, pretty smart in a wing dominated league to get possibly the best wing that you've had in the last 20 years play for the Mavericks. So 
Man. Hmm. I'm set up a few ways. Uh, there is a player I feel like I should take because of his talent. Just simply, he is the best mm-hmm. player on the board. There are two players, in fact, that I think would fit my team very well. And I'm debating which one of those I could opt for. This is hard. For the sake of changing things up, actually, I can't. I, can't, I cannot vote for anyone else other than Jason Terry. I, I think he compliments uh, Luka go. fairly well. I, I, it's, you know, I really, really tried to talk myself into not. I don't think Terry is necessarily the player that... Uh, he's not necessarily the, the complete archetype I'd, I'd like to put next to Luka, but he is an off-ball scorer at large uh, largely and and i think can play with these guys in worst case scenario you know he's my sixth man and you know gets gets some minutes uh that way so locker room leadership yeah yeah, yeah. so questionable tattoo choices uh, not questionable if you go win the title yeah baby <laughs> so um yeah man i i, I don't i don't uh, i'm not totally in love with that pick but i do think he's the best player left on the board i, I think okay. i think that is no question uh and i think i think i'm going to lean towards um you know a, a more an early career jet you know one who uh well you talking actually like late six team or what i take that back here? i think late career jet's going to be the more off ball off ball player right. that i need next to luca yeah. so let me let me stick with that i am gonna go with another jason i'm gonna go with jason kidd And that's an interesting idea when you pair him with Steve Nash. But you have to remember when Jason Kidd comes back to Dallas, uh, Kidd had really reinvented himself as a three-point shooter his first two seasons back. So when he comes over after the trade in 07-08, he shoots 46% from three in in 29 games. Next year, the first full season, 08-09, 40.6% from three. 09-10, 42.5% from three. And meanwhile, this is a guy who his defensive acumen, you know, I mean, look, they win the title with three certain guys who are playing a lot of defense. He's the first one off the board, but they don't win the title without this guy's defense. So what I love about this idea here is I don't think late career kid needs the ball in his hands. I think he can have it in his hands as a secondary ball handler and vice versa with Nash. You know, Nash is a spot up shooter that speaks for itself. So you can kind of interchange the ball handling. You can put kid who's six, four, but has guarded guys much bigger than that as a two. If he needs to guard smaller, quicker guys, that's fine. I, you know, I love the idea of him as an option defending Luca if I need to. But the bottom line now is I've got guys who at their peak, I've got four dudes out there who are all hitting 40% plus from three-point range and two primary ball handlers. And yeah, the defense is some ways to go, but Kid's a guy who can really guard the best guy on the opposing team because he did it for a team that won the title. So I'm pretty, I'm pretty pleased getting him right here. My team's my my team feels good about sacking off Kid and Finley if they need to. So if you, yeah, you want to do that, go you know, for you've it. Got, Got a lot Still of good size on the wing, though, so they can really guard. They have, I mean, kid, kid is essentially the shooting guard here. He's six five. Finley, Finley is decent size. I wouldn't say his team's big yet, um, necessarily. Not a, uh, not size wise. I think that with this pick, as I extend this and make sure that I'm not a, uh, you know, just really leaving someone out that I'd regret. Man, let's go. How sh- these are hard. I don't like this anymore. This is this is a bad exercise. We never should have done this. <laughs> Give me Josh Howard. Oh, I like that. He's um he was a better defender. Uh, he's he's actually a really really good defender. Uh, his first few years in the league, he was a, yeah. a cutter and a slasher. Uh, he will be my weakest shooter uh, thus far, and I think that I I want 
the the Josh Howard from the beginning of his career. And and I'm not I'm not looking for the late even though Josh hit threes better later on. Um, I really need that cutting and and off ball movement and you know offensive rebounding, glass crashing, defensive presence. Like that's the player I need on this team. Uh, so that's the one I'm looking for. So so he will be a a three point weak spot. At, at, you know in a bit. You know he's still capable. I, I'm going to put him in the in the corner and and make him shoot. But uh, I, I like the other aspects of his game, and I think they they pair well thus far. I dig that. Um, I, I think it's a good idea. A little bit of a gunner. There, there are two guys left who, for me, I really want, and I'm trying to figure out if there's any chance you don't take one of them. Gun to my head, if I have to pick right now, and because I'm pretty sure you almost said his name, uh, I'm going to take Sean Marion. And Sean Marion is the first dude in this group who doesn't shoot super well, which uh, it should be noted, though. I think there could be room for improvement. That sound you hear is totally me typing up his basketball reference line because there was something that stood out to me about his three-point shooting, which was the fact that in his last year in Dallas, his age 35 season, he shot 36% from three. And he also uh, was shooting more of them at that point than he had since his Phoenix days. And we go back to his Phoenix days, at his peak, he was probably about a, early in his career, he you know, he hit 38 one season. He's probably around a 35% for three-point shooter. I can make that work given that I've got four other guys already who can space the floor. Are you really Marian, talking yourself into Sean Marion, three-point shooter? Come I'm oh, talking man. myself in that he's not a total zero <laughs> if I need him to be. What I'm, what I, the reason I took Sean Marion is that, look, I need perimeter defense. Even, and I will go to my grave arguing that Sean Marion in Phoenix is the most underrated player of his generation, and I don't think it's close. Like The, the fact that he never made an all-defense team, even though he was the best defender in the league for a while, sort of proves that point. Um, but in Dallas, still a great defensive player along with Kidd, the backbone of the perimeter defense that won this team a title, can guard basically four positions. And frankly, again, what's been my theme so far, it's been modern basketball. Sean Marion today's game can play a little five with the way he could block shots, the way he could rebound, the way he could harass people. You know, Draymond Green's 6'7", Sean Marion's 6'7". So I can make this work if I need to go super small with him. I can make him go on the wing. He's just a chess piece. I can move around a lot. And given that, again, you know, my first two picks are not great defenders. I think Finley was average. There are there are some other ideas that I think work and are more dynamic offensively, but I've got that. I need his defense and he doesn't need the ball. You know, he can cut. He can. I'm sure Kidd and Nash will find ways to get him the ball and get some easy baskets the way he always did through his career. Yeah, it was it was Marion or Howard for me on the last pick. It was it was a debate between two guys who are not, uh, you know, amazing shooters, but do provide you off ball offense and uh, defensive stuff. So, yeah, I did almost say Marion. Um, I, I ended up going Howard just, you know, partly just because it's more interesting to put Josh Howard on this team. Um, True. But but yeah, it's more offense, too. It, yeah. it definitely yep. is that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I don't need his step back game and all this stuff. You know, but but I do I do think he's he's a uh, he's a smart player. Uh, Howard actually his second year in the league, he took forty percent of his shots at the rim. He got to the rim a lot. You know, he was he, he was scoring really double digits. good. There yeah. are not many guys in the last twenty years who just hit a peak and then just very abruptly fell from it for no injury related reason. Like yeah. that guy, he made I mean he made an all star team with Dirk he did. in oh six oh seven. He was trending up in a huge way, and then just the bottom fell out. So my team so far is Luca, Josh Howard, Chris Stapps, and Jet. I think that uh, Jet, it, it does look like I want Jason Terry coming off the bench. Uh, the more I look at this, I'm not sure uh, that I want him and, and Luca in the same backwards starting together. Um, obviously, our, our team may end up there. 
um, you know, he he was going to be my secondary playmaker. Um, and he still is. Uh, but especially if I bring him off the bench, uh, I do want somebody else in there that I feel comfortable running a side pick and roll and and somebody who is who is able to fill that task. Um, and also just a big, versatile player who probably played better defense defense than uh, than than you guys thought. Man, and now I'm second guessing myself because there's there's a there's a third player in this or a second player in this mix. I think I know Man, what you're I'm, about to say, but I want to hear you actually say what the the guy you're about to put <laughs> out there was. Well, so I don't want to say both names that I'm debating between because I don't no, want to. No, I'm you know, talking about the guy who wants a side pick and roll. Like I think I know what you're going to say, and I want to hear you actually say it because it's going to be interesting. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's do it. I want Chandler Parsons on this team. Yeah. There you go. Chandler Parsons, man. People forget that he was good, that he was versatile, that he shot well from three. And also that like, if you want a a very underrated what if moment in Mavericks history is what if Cuban actually resigns Chandler Parsons and doesn't spend the money on Harrison Barnes and you just have a dead contract with Parsons because his body falls apart. But at the time, people were furious when he left because he was, he did a lot of things and he was incredibly versatile. And yeah, I, I like that pick. Yeah, he averaged three assists uh, his second season and, and you know, I've had the, the playmaking ability had had was able to do stuff like that. So I think that's that's important. I, I don't love that. I don't have, um, you know, Josh Howard's my best defender. Uh, he's not I wouldn't call him elite. I'd say he's good. He's a good defender. I, I think that people forget that he was good early on. And, and I think Chris Stapps is, is very solid. But, you know, Luca and, you know, Chandler was all right there. And I think he was better than people remember. But but he was he was not, uh, you know, amazing by any means. So. I might be looking defense uh, with my next pick. I'm not up. So what do you have? Yeah, I think you need some defense. Yeah. Tim. Speaking of defense, uh, I, I made a very calculated gamble that this guy would slip because of how Tim drafted. And it did work out for me <laughs> because there are only two superlative rim protectors in this whole operation. Kristaps is one and Tyson Chandler is the other. And boom, I love Tyson Chandler this late. As a guy who, yeah. yeah, I mean, he can look, is he the modern center that he can shoot? No, but the dude can run to the rim like crazy. He is a rim protector that you don't score on. He gets tons of rebounds. Um, he makes free throws. And, you know, again, the name of versatility. If I want to play a traditional lineup with Tyson starting or playing minutes, I can. If I want him to go off the bench, I go small and put Dirk at the five or Marion at the five. I can do that, too. But I think. You know, and I, I would have wondered, I didn't think you'd actually take him, but I also was like, well, do you put Porzingis at the four and make him try to switch and put Tyson in the middle, which, you know, for currently, I guess Kristaps can kind of sort of do until, you know, he gets older and that hasn't happened. But I don't have to worry about that now because I'm taking Tyson Chandler. The only debate that we could have, this is the first one of these, I think, uh, is do we take 2010-11 Chandler or do we take 2014-15 Chandler, which is tricky. So if we're looking at his per 36s. I think it's definitely uh, in, the first, if I can butt in. Yeah, I th- I think I think that second Chandler was beloved for for his for his finals year, but was not quite the defender, not not nearly the defender uh, that that he was. The yeah, first time I was I was going that route anyways. That's where I was going to lean. But since you got me there anyways, uh, let's just do that. We're going to take 2011, 2010, 2011 Chandler championship experience Tyson Chandler. I have essentially, so if you look at the six guys I have, I have the big three of the early 2000s run, who I think will all translate better now. And then I have the three defenders who won this team a title. So I'm feeling pretty good. Man. Yeah, the only way that I was going to go with a, a Twin Tower approach uh, would have been that Dirk Kristaps approach. My second guard, I guess, um, you know, more of a guard type position 
I think I think I'm gonna go with Tim Hardaway Jr. Ooh, yeah. Wow. I'm gonna I level mean, with you, Timmy. Wow. Not on my board as far as as far as my top sixteen, but very intriguing, and I certainly see the case for it. You don't you? I, I don't know why you wouldn't like a guy who takes nine threes a game and, and played solid defense this game this year. Nine threes a game at like forty five. What did we say like that defense the, was solid? Yeah, it was. It was fine. Yeah, it was fine. It's fine. Okay, fair enough. I mean, I get obviously the other advantage too is like synergy. That's right? the biggest curveball so far. Interesting. I, I agree with that. Um, I know he does have synergy with Luca, right? You know that they know how to play together. I mean, I think the thing that made would that didn't do it for me with Tim is just that we know what he's done, and certainly you have the guy who's brought this out of him. We also know that there are guys, especially for cherry picking certain dudes in the prime, there are a lot of guys who shoot threes that right, but, you know pretty well that if we're giving them more run and opportunities to do that i think can do those things while also helping you in other ways but it's but definitely the, i will say that the, the exercise is is about the players when they are at their mavericks peak that is true that is true based is off true. when we see this 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 current version of hardaway is is absolutely a, a top 16 player and, and even higher that for, than that for me so mm. i've i've obviously branded around versatility and shooting um there's there's, there's yeah. no doubt about that it's 100 percent offense I wouldn't I wouldn't go that far. I mean, I, I have the who I would, you know, 99 percent offense. I, I'm sorry. It's, you're, it's, you're building the team you would want to watch. Yeah. I don't know fun. if that's the team that's going to win. I, is is Kristaps not a rim defend rim, rim protector anymore? He's fine. He's fine. Yeah, but there's more to rim protection than than just meeting the ball at the rim. Rim deterrence is equally important. I think Mike's got a lot of that right now. Just trying to, you know, in, in, in Tyson, Tyson, certainly. I don't know if there's any guys. Yeah, Ty- Tyson, sure. I think, I think, uh, I, I think we're still underestimating that that Dirk Nash and and I think just Nash in general. I think that's a. Uh, I mean, yeah, he doesn't pick at. But again, you know, you when I can put a Marion out there, I can put a kid out there. You know, I mean, I think there are ways to to hide him and to make this work. I've got, I've got three guys who I consider to be very good defenders. I think you have one guy I consider to be a very good defender. Wait, which one? Which which of Howard or or Kristaps do you consider? Oh, okay, two, two, two. You're right. Yeah, Kristaps yeah. and Howard. Yeah. So I'm looking at my roster right now. I mean, I love the idea. You know, you're not getting at this point. Everybody's got some holes in their game, right? Never hurts to have another shooter. Never hurts to have a little more offense. I'm trying to think. You know, I, I mean, Tim's got that situation where he's got firepower and he's got someone to come off the bench. I was already go in this direction before Tim just name dropped them, but Monte Ellis would be super intriguing on this team as the answer to Jet off of my bench. Obviously, he's a little less controlled than Jet, but you know, again, we're thinking about ways that I can make this work. I can throw Dirk at the five if I need to. I can go five out in some ways or four out and just, you know, I can find ways to get Monte on the floor and just give him space and let him work. Uh, also, you know, I don't know who's coaching these specific teams. I don't know which one Rick Carlisle's in charge of, but uh, certainly <laughs> if these are two, maybe it's it's Rick versus Rick mirror match Mortal Kombat style. I think clearly uh, Nelly is in charge of my team. One hundred percent, absolutely. <laughs> so then, okay, so if Rick is in charge of my team, Rick loves those three guard lineups. So if we're thinking a Steve Nash Monte Ellis kid thing for a couple minutes a night to, to throw it up. Um, I don't know. He's a wild card. And I think late in this situation where I have the base of what I want to do with a lot of things, I like this wild card to be able to pick up the pace. You know, I mean, I want, if I want to go supersonic, I can, I can go real fast with this team if I need to. So uh, yeah, we're going to go with Monte off the bench. And we're going to see what kind of havoc he can wreak. 
All right. I have a few players I want to pick, but I think I think I'm going to get Maxi Kleber here. Mm. As you know, the podcast's own Maxi. <laughs> Can't bite the hand that feeds you, man. He's a he's a great bench player. He is a great role player. He does a lot. He uh, he does shore up defensively. He does a lot of defensive things that that I want. Still shoots threes, as as you as you might note. You know, I could I could actually. You, you guys are concerned about my starting five not having enough defense. I could put Maxi in there, and I could have Josh Howard, Maxi Kleba, Chris Stapps, Chandler Parsons, and Luca for a very very tall but but defensively savvy. A little bit worried about guarding point guards, but. Uh, especially Nash. So that, that is something that, that uh, may be addressed later on. But that's where I am right now. I think that he, you know, just, just kind of fits in. And, you know, he'd fit on, on, on literally any team. This is, this is the beauty of him. I will uh, cede the floor to you for your, uh, what is this, eighth pick now? I want another wing. And I want a wing who can shoot a bit, um, isn't afraid to mix it up, does a little bit of everything. We're going to pick the guy who a lot of people forget is on the 2010-11 title team because he got hurt. We're picking Karan Butler because in Ooh. that season, before Karan goes down, Karan is shooting 43% from three. And that's not really an anomaly. If you look at his career moving forward, he shoots 38, you know, two years later with the Clippers, he shoots 38.8. The next year uh, in 56 games, he shoots 39. Later on at Oklahoma City, towards the end of his career, shooting 44, then 38. He learns how to shoot as he gets older. So I believe that this 30 game, or sorry, 29 game sample size is legit. Again, we're picking the best moments this guy has as a Maverick. So we have that. We have a guy who can go in, defend. He can mix it up. Uh, the man's called Tough Juice for a reason. You know, we need a little grit out there, uh, which when you have Marion and Kid and Tyson, you've got that already. But I think this is a guy who, you know, six seven can, can in the name of versatility, I can put him on the wing. You know, I can go smaller if I need to. Again, if this guy's shooting forty three percent from the or forty five percent, no forty three percent from three, forty five for the field. If he's shooting forty three percent. Uh, I can roll small ball out there and I can get him in a situation where we have a five out lineup for sure. Um, so I like Karan this late as a way to kind of mix that up and, and basically be my Josh Howard wildcard at a cheaper price. And obviously Karan here wasn't as good as Josh, but probably a name people might not have been thinking about as much. But I think he can he can do some things off the bench here. I think you would have been better served picking another player off that championship team uh, in Deshaun, to be honest. I think Deshaun just, you know, isolates those qualities that you want out of Karan. You know, and again, this is Deshaun at his best. Obviously, he uh, Stevenson. Maybe you know, I mean, very, I just think at this point, down. like if we're picking the best, I mean, like look at the firepower these teams have, right? Like, I don't think at the end of the day, There's only one basketball can go out there. <laughs> so there is only one basketball, but I, I think you gotta, you know, I'm assuming we're all pushing the pace here, and you gotta have guys who can who can make shots, and I, you know, I trust Karan to be able to do that, and just you have a little more multi dimensional game, I think, than than Deshaun will. So Deshaun would have been my pick if I didn't think there was one 3 and D player that was slightly better. Someone who I guarantee was not on is not on your board. Um, I also considered uh, Richard Jefferson here, who shot 43 percent his one mm. season, one very, very forgotten season. Uh, and what was also yeah. a solid defender. But I but I think at that point had aged out of, you know, really elite defense that did. Dave, did was Richard Jefferson ever an elite defender? Um, not really. Right. I mean, he was fine. He was fine. Right. That's my memory as well. But I needed I needed somebody yeah. else to, to hop in here. Yeah. You know who was an elite defender? Raja Bell. Mm. Now, was Raja shooting well when he was here? That's that's I know that always came along in, in Phoenix. Forty one percent. OK, then there you go. 
Now, you know, obviously that's on a much limited, uh, much more limited sample uh, than than modern NBA uh, basketball would uh, would lead you to and, and things like that. But hey, I like the pick. I think it's interesting. It's it's a throwback to to a player that most have probably forgotten, you know, ever spend a spend a year with the Mavericks. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's my pick. He's a he's a wing three and D guy uh, for me, you know, maybe more of a guard. And I think that if if I need a point guard defender, uh, if, if Nash really starts giving me problems or or even Monte, uh, I, I like having Raja on this team. Yeah, that's OK. That's interesting. Um, now, granted, I don't know how well Raja, who is a wing defender, is going to stick with a guy like Monte. But that is interesting. Yeah, he's, he's what um, he's what like he's like six, five. You know, I think uh, I think that he's yeah. he's I would, he could do OK. Yeah, I think I think he's going to be OK. I, I would almost call him a shooting guard. Like, I think he was more of a two with with versatility one through three is is more my memory of him i will say he shot 41 percent on like one attempt a game so i i will i will couch that but he shot also increasingly uh shot well after that so um the the following season in utah he took two attempts and shot 37 and then the same thing the next year but shot 40 and then he really upped his up to shooting and he was in the the mid 40s so i think it's pretty conceivable to think that uh his he's he's just a tiny bit behind his Phoenix output where he was attempting, you know, five or six a game at, at, you know, 44, 41, 40, 42%. So I feel good about Raja, uh, even better about Raja. Now that I pulled up his basketball reference page. I still just can't believe nobody's taken Chris Douglas Roberts. Yet. <laughs> Gal McCall, Ricky Lido. Uh, okay. Yeah. Um, last pick, right? Last pick. So I think, right. Okay. We we're talking nine guys. Dave, is there yeah. anyone you're shocked hasn't been taken yet? Uh, like a, like an actual serious name? No, not at all. Actually, I think you guys have kind of you've snagged all the really good players, right? Yeah, yeah. I'll say so. the the best player by win shares that is still on the board is well, the best player still on the board by win shares, a, a flawed stat is Eric Dampier. Yeah, baby. The second best is Devin Harris. Um, and Devin Harris is, is definitely amplified by the fact he just played more games than, than most of the people on this list. I mean, two of the biggest names that I don't think I certainly didn't consider. And I don't think you did either just because they're they don't translate well to today's game. Plus, they played on what to me was hands down the weirdest maps teams the last 20 years. Antoine Jameson and Antoine Walker. I, I, Jameson I was on my list as an option, but I, I was never too high on, on drafting him. I mean, God, that 04 team with, that had basically Finley, Nash, Dirk, and those two. Just a just a train wreck to watch play. Uh, the epitome of a 2K team that you're like, this will be great. And it, it didn't work at all. Um, <laughs> there's an argument to be made that I, I could go another defender. Def- I mean, Deshaun is an option as a defender spot of shooter. Um, 38% shooter, which, I mean, compared to what I'm working with I'm, among my three-point shooters, everybody but Monte and Chandler, he's actually pretty, well, I guess, Marion. But, uh, you know, I've got four better three-point shooters than that. But, man, you know what? It's the ninth pick on a podcast episode, so we're going to have fun. And we are going to take somebody who, if you were talking about players who would be so much better in today's NBA, I am taking the ultimate example who would also help me run this 5 lineup. I'm taking Rafe LaFrance. Rafe LaFrance, mm. who 40.5% <laughs> from three his second and final Dallas season. Rafe LaFrance, who... If he came out now, would be salivated over. I mean, he was back then too. But if you, you know, if you really look back at those teams, what Nelly would do about, hey, we're going to pull Shaq from the basket with Rafe. Uh, I mean, people laughed at that. In that era of NBA, it didn't work. But like literally, if this were today, 
I mean, Shaq's enough of a you know an anomaly that he still might have made it work. But the strategy of let's get Rafe out there and bomb threes and pull guys in the basket, that's what happened. Nelly was ahead of his time in that regard. Rafe was ahead of his time in that regard. Is he going to play a ton? No, he's not. But what it will allow me to do is, again, you know, especially when it's Monte time, if I'm putting Rafe out there at the five and I'm putting Dirk at the four, if I'm just, you know, or just other lineups I can work with, if I want to have two bigs out there that can both shoot and I just space and spread and all of a sudden Monte's cutting, I can find ways to do it. I'll mix and match. Um, but yeah, I want a wild card and, you know, poor Rafe, uh, just never had the career he should have had. Also, probably one of the least, one of the hardest dudes to track down years ago when I was at Vice, I wanted to do a story on him about like basically this concept that what would he look like in the modern NBA? And I, I emailed Sarah uh, Melton, our, you know, the dearly departed Mavericks, you know, PR head. And I asked Sarah, I was like, do you have contact info for, info for him? And she's like, I have no idea where that man is. And I then looked it up and he, there were some public land grant filings. I think he's in Iowa on a farm. But Rafe, if you were listening and I know you're not, I see you, buddy. And I think you'd be really good in a, in a modern NBA. So I'm going to go with you. He did not make my... That is a good pick. Yeah, I like the pick. He did not make my big board, but he was considered. He was someone who I thought about. And I was like, hey, is this, is this the type of player? But I need a role, man. Everybody on my team can shoot just about. Mm. I'm not... I, 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 can, I can draft one non-shooting player. Uh, it could be Dwight Powell. It, it would yeah. have been a perfectly fine option here. But for the sake of picking someone who uh, is not on the current team and, and also truly a player who at his very peak might be slightly better in this role than, than Dwight. It's tough. You know, I mean, it's impossible to say, but uh, Brandon Wright is a very, oh. very underrated uh, role player uh, was incredible for that 14, 15 team. And we talk about the, the, the current Mavericks, uh, you know, potentially setting the all time NBA record and offensive rating. Uh, Brandon Wright was one of the biggest reasons, uh, you know, that that 14, 15 team before the Rajon Rondo trade, that team was also set to be the best offense in, in NBA history. They were on track for that. And, and Wright's ability, just his hyper efficiency uh, in the paint. He, you know, he was a he was a great role guy, but he was he didn't get to the rim quite as much. He just had an incredible touch around the basket. So any shot he put up from about six or seven feet. Um, so even, even if he got stopped slightly short of the rim, like he's, he's still putting it in. So. That is my final final player. So should I read off my team and uh, the way I kind of yeah actually them? both of you guys yeah both of you guys give give a recap. All right, so I I think the the one big thing that is that is uh, forgotten about my team I I do have Luka Doncic so I've got I've got Luka and I'm pairing him with you know three wingish guardish players and Tim Hardaway Jr. Josh Howard Chandler Parsons. I think Chandler out of those three is most equipped to run some secondary playmaking. I think that Howard is most equipped to, to be the best defender of that group and to, you know, have a lot of off ball movement, positive off ball movement that gets layups and, and dunks and things like that. And I think Hardaway is, is clearly the off ball shooter that I think is really important that, that you always want that type of player next to Luca. And then, you know, I've got Chris Stubbs and, and he is he is both my rim protector, rim deterrent in, in some manner, you know, maybe maybe not as much as uh, Dave Dufour would like. But, you know, he, he certainly is, uh, uh, you know, will will increase, you know, the upside of my defense uh, still spacing the floor. So this is this is, you know, that, that starting five is going to score one billion points uh, coming off the bench. I've got Jason Terry, Maxi Kleba, Raja Bell and Brandon Wright. So. Wright gives you the role man, you know, that that slightly different uh, change up if, if you need it. Raja Bell's, a, a, you know, probably my best lockdown defender uh, on the perimeter. 
Max Lee Kleber is is very good, you know, as a, you know, just do everything role man, role player, I should say. And uh, although he can also be a role man. And then Jason Terry, of course, is my, you know, spark plug, sixth man style, you know, offensive uh, and, and really my, my other main playmaker. Um, I did consider getting another point guard, the true point guard on this roster. Um, I'm a tiny bit nervous. I'm putting a little bit too much strain on Luca. You know, I think we've seen that this season. Yep. But that is that is probably, uh, you know, and I think this seems a little bit better defensively than than you are going to think, Dave, um, because I, I can I can already tell from the, the way you've talked about it that they're going to knock me for that. Again, we're playing Nelly ball. We're, we're just running and shooting and, and, mm-hmm. and going. And I think I think that'd be a lot of fun. Okay, well, I'll go position grouping here. We'll we'll do, you know, the guards. You have Steve Nash, you have Jason Kidd, you have Monte Ellis. Um, Nash and Kidd being the starting backcourt. Two guys who are, in addition to being two of the best point guards to ever play. Two guys who, I think, synergize very well at the respective points that I have them. Kidd plays more of a, you know, an off-ball shooting type role. But I really think a smart coach, i.e. Rick Carlisle, can make this work and kind of switch it to where Nash is running maybe awesome screens and, you know, shooting some threes or... Vice versa, you know, kid can be a secondary ball handler and your primary perimeter defender at the same time. Um, Monte is sort of the, you know, we get squirrely. We want some bench offense. And, you know, Tim is banking on a lot of bench pieces that can defend. I do think Tim has guys who I think Tim's best defenders are not Tim's best offensive players. And I think there's a gap of how he's going to make this happen. But even when Tim has his best defensive players on the floor, I think there are ways I can get squirrely with lineups and just say, fine. We'll play four out and then we will just let Monte come in for a couple minutes, give Nash or kid a breather, wreak some havoc and go back, you know, go back to work here. The wings, Michael Finley, Karan Butler, Sean Marion. Finley, as we discussed, a great player in his own right, who I think would translate much better now by virtue of the fact that people don't even realize how good of a three point shooter the man was. Sean Marion, one of the, I would say the most versatile defender on either team. The guy who at his peak before he got to Dallas for my money, was the best defensive player in the NBA at one point. Can just do everything. Doesn't need the ball in his hands. Can shoot a little more than he needs to, but uh, just can do a lot of dirty work. Karan Butler, uh, the version that we have of him shooting 43%, who can also create a bit of offense, who can play some defense, who can get tough. Just a little bit of everything. Dirk, the greatest Maverick of all time. Uh, Tyson Chandler, the the alpha rim protector, um, who can be a vicious role man, who can clean up on the glass. I mean, you know, we haven't talked rebounding a lot, but frankly, I think Dirk at his peak plus Tyson Chandler, uh, they're going to clean up the glass. Uh, you know, this is this has been the thing that I think Kristaps took steps forward at this year, but this is still Kristaps on the glass against those two. I think he's the third best uh, third best rebounder. I don't think that's close. And then as a as a real curveball, you know, a, a true modern five out or a, a modern five type guy in, in Rafe LaFrance, who's going to play less than some of these other dudes, but. He's going to go in there and, I, you know, I could see some scenarios which he goes in there with Monte and you have some of the wings in there to spread the floor and it's just going to be a pain in the ass to defend. And so I think the the team that I've got, in addition to having a lot of names, uh, it's really versatile. I think there's a lot of things you could do there. If Rick wants to go three point guards, Rick can go three point guards. If Rick wants to go five out, he can go five out. If he wants to go traditional one through five, he can do that. So I think when I've got the best player in Dirk, I've got the best rim defender in Tyson. I have the best perimeter defender in Marion. I have the best overall wing in Finley. And I have Steve Nash and Jason Kidd as my primary ball handlers. Plus what else I've got coming off the bench. I, I feel very, very confident about this team. Okay. Well, I hate to do this to you, Mike, because you're the guest. But oh, no. I just think that Tim's team is going to have too much offense to overcome. I really? think 
in 2020, yeah, I think in 2020, you can look at the 2020 Mavericks sort of as the guide. And uh, I just think they're going to score too much. I don't think the defense is going to matter. They, they've got so much offensive depth that just like Marion may be unplayable. I mean, if that's the case, right? there are that's an issue. For that. But but that I mean, I'm just saying like that's how much offense they've got. So you've got to match that offensive output. I just don't know if your team does it. I do think, Tim, at least the strategy of I am just going to get a bunch of guys who can run up and down the court and score a lot. If you get enough of those guys. I think he can pull it off. That's that's where I'm at. Okay. And I really was prepared to just go against him because <laughs> so I really screw this. We want him to lose in this. No, no, no. I like your team is good from a balanced perspective. I just think that when it actually gets on the basketball court, Tim just got so much scoring. But seven games now, in a postseason series when the pace slows uh, a little. But that's the thing about a seven game series. You know, the seven game series. It, it part of the reason why you know you want seven games is because things are going to kind of average out. Okay. Your your sample size is a little bit larger. If it's a three-game series, even a five-game series, then you can overcome, you know, you, you can have a guy get cold for three games. I think seven games, you're just not going to run into that. So I'm going with Tim. We're going to have to sim it to know for sure. But my guess is that, that Tim's Mavericks team – Unfortunately, would win. <laughs> I, I will say, Mike. I think. I think what my one issue with your team is that you you clearly have more talent than me. I think that I don't see as much cohesion as you do. You know, there is a lot of players. I think separately they fit together, but I, I'm really confused whether you know who is who is creating the like. What is the primary form of the offense? Is it a Nash Dirk pick and roll? Like, like, I think a lot of the ways that your players are going to be successful based on how they're talented will exclude the talent of the other players that that Finley will get demoted to a, you know, a, a corner three guy. I, I, I think that that is if I had to point out one thing um, on your team, I think that's it. But and if I had to point out one in mind, I think that I needed another ball handler in, in here. I needed a, a I think I needed one more true point guard just to make sure that. Luca didn't get overwhelmed because I think we saw this year that that can happen. And Chandler Parsons and Jason Terry alone is, is not enough to make up for it. So, yeah, I mean, I, there, I, if there's a pick that I sit here and I second guess, it's maybe Monte. I got a little greedy with Monte, I think. I mean, I guess like <laughs> if I had. OK, so if I let's let's run this back now that we know what we did. If I had taken Porzingis three, would you what would you have done it for? I was probably going to pick Finley, but I really wasn't sure that that was the least certain part of the exercise for me. Is there any? I'm shocked no one took Seth Curry. That's the yeah, that's, that's the probably what I should have done. I probably should have taken Seth over Monte. Monte was just a I mean, I have love in my heart for Monte. Um, I, I, I had so much shooting. I just I, I didn't need Seth by the end of it. I needed defense and, and rolling. There's 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 a there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, alternate realities here, right? Yeah, and and certainly it didn't play out the way I expected. Um, that said, I think Dave's uh, word is final, and he's the only opinion that matters here. And <laughs> we Go can send this on 2K if we have to, but uh, you know I think it's pretty clear that uh, I I pick the I pick the winning team. So with that, I think oh, we're yes. we're gonna wrap this up. <laughs> Thank you everybody for listening. Do chime in. And do also listen to last week's 77 Minutes in Heaven episode that had Mark Cuban on it. 
um, that that was those from our uh, partner host duos. That's uh, that's obviously Mark Followell and Brian Damaris. Um, and listen to the Maxi episode too. You know, we've had uh, we've had two people in the Mavericks organization on and in the last two episodes. So that is a uh, a new record for uh, for this podcast. Uh, thanks everybody for listening, and we will see you next week. 